0: On today's episode, we are talking about the gallbladder and appendix, two organs that are very commonly removed yet play very important roles in the human body. So take a listen. If you know somebody who has had their gallbladder removed or their appendix removed, please share this episode with them because more people need to know this information. Unfortunately, it is not shared when these organs are taken from us. So we are here to give you that education today and we would appreciate you sharing. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and let's dive in
1: live your life
0: within the moment moment
1: and don't go wait until the morning morning. you never know when it is over over all that i know is happy wednesday guys liz and i have been podcasting all day and i'm not going to lie i'm, I'm Feeling, feeling it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I just opened my phone to see that they charged somebody with manslaughter for the Kim Kardashian lookalike. The world is crazy.
1: Super sad. Oh, the guy from Florida?
0: I don't know. I didn't open it. I just saw it on me.
1: Wasn't the person that slaughtered that whole family?
0: That's a different one. And then there was also one in Texas, which
1: they did find, which is just crazy. Anyways. Did you say it looks like Kim Kardashian?
0: The Kim Kardashian lookalike? Yeah, there's a a woman that looked just like Kim Kardashian that the first article that I read last week was, it was a plastic surgery mishap oh, and boy. died of cardiac arrest. But now they're charging somebody with manslaughter.
1: Oh my God.
0: So really sad. Cause really I, I remember sad. that like reading about it last week and obviously with my explant surgery coming up. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God. Cause like, I don't know what they were having done, but yeah, I know for the explants, I mean, they're talking about, the surgery is super close to your lungs and your heart so it's a little scary. Yeah, and of course. one of the girls that just had hers, she's got a blood clot and some other stuff going on. She's back in the hospital so it's like oh eh.
1: gosh. But anyways, the world's crazy. That's why I don't read the news. The world is crazy. Yeah, I in Chicago a couple weekends ago, there was a group of teens that were basically mm-hmm. beating the crap out of people. They were pulling people out of their cars like for no reason and stopping people walking into stores and it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. And I had no clue what was going on. And Nick was like, how do you not under, how what? And I was like, I just don't read. Like, I'm so busy all day with what we do. And if I do read, it's not the news. Like, I'm reading books. I'm reading research. Yeah. I'm reading.
0: Well, I think what hits home is, so that's actually been happening for a while. Yeah. The only reason I know that is because I went to the city This has probably been last fall. So almost like eight months ago with two of my girlfriends, we went to see a comedian. And when we left, there was a group across the park from where we had parked the car. And my girlfriend's like, get in the car right now. Those are the people that you see on the news
1: that are coming in clusters. Uh, So yeah, it's... Y'all, Chicago's... I mean, so many places in the country are effed Mm up. And that's why Liz and I want to move very far away from here. And I'm not saying that we'll, you know, be able to completely avoid this, but Chicago's really bad. So anyways. anyways.
0: Let's talk about
1: two organs in your body that frequently get removed. That are not (laughs) optional for the body. That aren't just like, oh yeah, they're fine. It's fine to take them out.
0: I mean, you can live without them, but there's definitely things that people need to know. And, you know, I think the gallbladder is one that's really... Frustrating for me because I mean, we have people in our family that have had their gallbladder removed, others that have had, you know, testing done that show a need for support uh, for the liver and gallbladder in terms of like bile and things like that. And we see it a lot with clients, but there's no education if someone does have, you know, a condition that requires them to remove the gallbladder. Okay, there's no education on what to do after. And a lot of times you can save
1: your gallbladder, but Absolutely. there's no education on how to do that. It's just, oh, we're just gonna take it out. Absolutely. And there's certain times often when people get their gallbladders removed that are common. So postpartum is one of them.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
1: reason is because when you have increased hormone levels, you typically have higher cholesterol. And if you already struggle with cholesterol, now, High cholesterol levels cause delayed gallbladder emptying. And when you also burn fat quickly or lose weight quickly, like after postpartum, it has extra cholesterol essentially accumulates in the bile, which can lead to gallstones. And so this is very common postpartum. Another time is with rapid weight loss. A lot of people that go through extreme weight loss surgeries or you know, do extreme weight loss diets or stuff like that, again, same reason. Extra cholesterol accumulates in the bile, which leads to gallstones, which causes people to have to get their gallbladder removed. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say it causes people to have to get their gallbladder removed. It causes gallbladder issues that then doctors ap- approach with surgery because that's essentially their only, their only tool in this situation. There's so many other tools we're about to talk about, guys. So yeah. We will talk about if you've had your gallbladder removed, we will also talk about if you have been told that your gallbladder, um, I'm sorry, not production, your gallbladder function is less than optimal. Like sometimes they'll give you a percentage of your gallbladder function based on certain tests that they can do. Sometimes they'll tell you that you have sluggish bile, which basically think about instead of like a fluid running through the gallbladder, it's like peanut butter running through the gallbladder. Sludge. I love peanut butter. but. Either way, you can have lessening effect of what's supposed to be happening with the gallbladder. So let's talk about what the gallbladder does because now you can understand hopefully how important it is and why you should not just be willy-nilly cutting out organs from your body.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the unfortunate piece is by the time that people are in the hospital, the pain is so bad that yes. that's why they take it out. But there can be signs early on of things not going well in terms of abdominal you know, pain and cramping that's recurring. This is yep. not just something that's like here nor there. Like, don't think your gallbladder is giving out on you every time. <laughs> you know, you have a little pain in your stomach, but um, it's very, very common. Like, I think the stats that I read the other day is like 750,000 Americans uh, each year have their gallbladder removed, which is quite a lot. Oh, really. um, So there are several functions that the gallbladder performs in the body. So yes, you can survive without it. Obviously, many people are surviving without it, but you are more prone to developing certain health problems because of these functions not being supported the way that the body was designed. So first and foremost, it enables fat digestion. So your gallbladder conjugates and stores bile to release it in the right doses at the right time when you consume fats. Okay. We're going to talk about this uh, more specifically types of fats, but let's say you have a burger and fries pre gallbladder with a healthy functioning gallbladder. Maybe you didn't have a horrible stomach ache that sent you running to the bathroom post gallbladder. You don't have what you need there and you're likely running to the bathroom and having diarrhea or, you know, horrible cramping, things like that. It also enables the absorption of fat soluble antioxidants and fat soluble vitamins like A, D, E, and K. It assists in the removal of cholesterol from your body. It also assists in removing toxins that have been broken down by the liver. So this is kind of important, right? And one of the things that people fail to understand post-gallbladder surgery is that you are more likely to become then malnourished in these fat-soluble vitamins and antioxidants like we just mentioned more likely to experience digestive problems because of the lack of bile being stored and conjugated and given to you in the right amounts. So your liver is going to continue to manufacture bile, but there's no longer that pear-shaped organ underneath the liver to store it. So bile continuously trickles into the intestines. So this is where the bloating, nausea, diarrhea, and indigestion comes from. Uh, because essentially you just get a big dump of uh, actually water into your intestines. Uh, But if you're having a high fat meal, there's not enough bile given uh, because again, it's not stored there. So it's important to supplement with ox bile after you've had your gallbladder removed. And this is lifelong. You're not getting your gallbladder back. It's not growing back. Uh, Every meal that you consume, you should be having some sort of ox bile support. So you may say, wow, I never knew this before, and I've had all those things that you just mentioned in terms of the diarrhea, bloating, you know, indigestion, nausea, whatever. Or you may be like, I'm fine. <laughs> I don't have any of these issues because I just stopped eating fats. I don't do any high-fat meals. Well, that's not good either because you're not essentially getting all of the fatty acids that you need, including omega-3 and omega-6 fats, because... One of two things, you're not breaking it down well, or you're not consuming it. Uh, and then you're also missing out on those fat soluble vitamins that we really need, <laughs> along with antioxidants. Uh, so, even though you may not have these symptoms, this is still something that I would recommend that you supplement with oxbile or at least a digestive enzyme that has some oxbile in it. Because when you're not absorbing those things, this is where we often see other. Things such as premature aging of the skin, dry brittle hair, dry skin, weak nails, painful joints, um, brain fog, because essential fatty acids, they are fuel for brain health. Um, With inadequate fatty acids reaching the brain, you're more fatigued. We're not producing uh, as many good neurotransmitters. So anxiety, depression, impaired cognitive function, as I mentioned. All of these things are symptoms that can be associated, again, even if you're not having the...
1: Digestive symptoms. Yeah. Also, hormone issues because the gallbladder mm-hmm. stores a lot of bile, like we talked about, and bile is how you excrete excess hormones that should not be in the body. So, a lot of people that have their gallbladder removed and sub- subsequently essentially deal with estrogen dominance, hormone mm-hmm. imbalances, um, that kind of stuff. And how I kind of explain it is when you have a gallbladder, it's like having a faucet that you can turn on high or turning on low. When you lose your gallbladder, now you just have a drip, drip drip, drip. So you no longer have the ability to turn out on high when necessary, like Liz was saying. So like we were talking about some signs that you might have a gallbladder problem and then some things that you can do to prevent getting your gallbladder out. So if you're having that swelling or pain or having digestive issues with fats, like you go out and have a fatty meal and you have like running immediately to the bathroom, sometimes people with constipation, um, can have poor bile uh, secretion or gallbladder issues cuz bile helps a lot with digestion. So if you have poor, you know, it, gallbladder secretion of that bile or it's sluggish or it's not getting enough of it out, you can have constipation for a lot of people. Um if you've had gallstones, like <laughs> it's a pretty clear sign. Um, I find a lot of times this comes down to stress and dehydration trigger the gallstones and kidney stones too. Um because both of them will, will essentially drive whatever problem is underlying to worsen. So some things that can help with gallbladder distress, high fiber foods. Uh, so 30 to 40 plus grams of fiber per day can help reduce the risk of gallstones, good sources of fiber, soaked sprouted beans and legumes, nuts, seeds, fresh vegetables and fruits, bitter foods. So things like artichoke, dandelion greens, beets, uh, they help support the liver and have detoxifying effects and can help improve bile flow, which breaks down that fat. Um, you can also consume more fresh produce by making your own vegetable smoothies, or you know juices. Uh, Potassium rich foods can also help. Avocado, leafy greens, sweet potato. Unrefined healthy fats. So, coconut oil is great. Um, it contains one of the easiest forms of fat for the body to digest. Uh, so, we recommend doing healthy fats in small amounts throughout the course of the day. Um, this is because you don't want to obviously overconsume fats and then you stress the gallbladder out even more. Uh, sprouted nuts and seeds. So, think like flax seed. So, we do a lot of times in our cleanse, we do ground flax seed. Chia seeds, pumpkin seeds on top of a salad. Um, they are much easier to digest, can reduce inflammation. I wouldn't consume a ton of these at once, think like one to two tablespoons tops, but they are all great. Uh, high plant and you know, even raw foods can help because they are naturally high in water and electrolytes and antioxidants. So consuming a vegetarian-based diet with some, you know, lower fat animal proteins can be really helpful. Lean proteins, like I just said, can help as well. Uh, think, you know, bison, wild caught fish, bone broth powder is great, turkey is great here, you know, small amounts of grass fed beef is fine. So things you want to avoid, fried foods and hydrogenated oils. So think like canola oil and rapeseed oil and vegetable oil. Cotton going, seed oil because we got co- to eat oil from cotton for whatever reason. Yep, we do. Sugar and simple carbohydrates can increase and also can cause weight gain and inflammation. Foods that you might be allergic to, obviously you would want to avoid. Uh, conventional dairy products tend to be a little bit more pro-inflammatory compared to like um like raw dairy or full fat dairy. So when they take fat out of dairy and make it like non-fat or low-fat, you're basically adding sugar. Um, and the processing of this can, you know, can cause the body to produce more inflammation and more gallstones. And then high-fat meals And then you can always include some herbs. We love ourselves some herbs.
0: Yeah. And I think this is where you could do various things. Everything from starting your meal with bitter greens. Um, You could add dandelion root, turmeric. You can add milk thistle. You can also do that in form of a tea or you can do a supplement uh, with those things. Bile salts or ox bile. So very commonly when someone is coming in and presenting with like gallbladder congestion or sluggish bile flow, we'll typically start with a bottle of beta plus and then move them into something like beta TCP or bile min, which just supports a healthy bile flow. But that beta plus is ox bile with lipase. Um, and these are enzymes that can improve t- Digestion of fat and the use of bile. So, those are just a couple like clinical pearls there. There's other digestive enzymes that have ox bile in them. But if you're someone with a gallbladder intact, you wouldn't be using those in like the same dose every meal. So, you would be rotating like, okay, one here, two here, one here. Like, you want to rotate it. You want to just take two with every meal. Um, And then when we think about like, other herbs that you could use, rosemary oil. So you can mix that with a little bit of coconut oil and you can rub that over the gallbladder area twice a day just to help with cleansing and reducing inflammation. Um, Barberry is a plant extract that can be helpful with GI issues, fighting infections, cleansing the liver, cleansing the gallbladder. Um, Again, dandelion root. I like to use um, dandelion greens. They're another form of a bitter green. Uh, Becca already mentioned like Beets, beet juice, beet kvass, all of those would be, you know, really good things that you could do just from like a a food standpoint or, you know, any of like the liver cleansing teas that you can get like, um, Mm -hmm. Yogi, they have got a few of them, a few blends.
1: Yep. We love those dandelion root, all of that. So getting your gallbladder removed is not the only option, guys. You you really, (laughs) again, you have to take care of your body unfortunately, guys, this is on us. We have the responsibility. Uh, And I know it can seem like, oh, I have this really bad pain, taking it out. is the And unfortunately, some doctors will make it seem like it's the only option. It's not. Our body is meant to function. It is meant to do its jobs. We just have to support it in doing that. And if you're dealing with sluggish bile, if you're dealing with a gallbladder that's not functioning optimally, it's probably going to take some work to turn it around. But it absolutely can turn around. You just have to be smart about it. Start with obviously the low barrier to entry things, the foods that are you know high in bitters levels, the anti-inflammatory, removing fried foods, removing processed foods, getting lots of water, all of those things. And then you, know, you can take some more omega-3s, omega-6s, EPA, DHA, all of that to help with inflammation. So the other organ that we want to talk about today, see if anyone can guess out there, what's another organ that we commonly just take out? The appendix. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so this is actually something
0: I would say that Beck and I just recently learned in the past few yeah. months. Um, I was sharing with her in one of the courses I was doing with sort of wellness. I was like, "Did you know?" <laughs> She's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yes." So the appendix uh, was traditionally considered an evolutionary remnant with limited biological function. However, this is actually a big part of our immune system. It is important uh, in terms of our gut microbiome and our lymphatic system. So it is typically removed upon the development of appendicitis, or even for some individuals, they remove it preventatively. Um, We've heard this more and more uh, lately, which is a little frustrating. I want to know my risk and what are we preventing here? Because we've seen this across the board with a lot of things. Um, The appendix, the gallbladder, hysterectomies, ablations, various things. Um, So anyways, uh, there have been some studies that have come out uh, showing just how important uh, the human appendix is in regulating our intestinal immune system and microbiome. So these studies suggest that prior appendectomy may be associated with increased risk of certain diseases, uh, one of them being sarcoides, I don't think I said that right. So codices, anyways, a condition that develops when groups of cells in your immune system form red and swollen, like inflamed lumps um, in various organs of the body. It can also be associated with antibiotic resistant bacteria, mediated bacteria in the biliary tract, uh, gallstones, going back to the uh, gallbladder we just talked about, liver abscesses, and GI cancers, Parkinson's disease, and rheumatoid arthritis. And that's because the new research is showing that this air quote, unessential organ plays a critical role in maintaining our gut health because it stores a lot of good gut bacteria, which is a big part of our immune system.
1: Yep. So why does this matter? So certain cells found around the appendix called innate lymphoid cells are vitally important for protecting against bacterial infection in people whose immune systems have been compromised. So it's a big part of our immune function. Proteins in green leafy vegetables are also thought to play a role in producing these ILCs, which is why eat your vegetables, people. The immune system is made up of lymphoid tissue, which includes bone marrow, lymph nodes, parts of the spleen, GI tract, thymus, tonsils. Tonsils. We'll talk. So Carson's getting his tonsils out. I'm going to interrupt for a second. And Liz and I were talking, like, I'm going to question doctors. I want to challenge them. I want to know the whys, right? So Carson's been having some breathing issues all throughout, like, his childhood. And so he has really large tonsils. And they said- I asked. I was like, okay, if you want to remove his tonsils, like, I believe that God made us exactly how we should have been made. What's the function of a tonsil? She goes, I'm so glad you asked that. I love this doctor, by the way. Um, She's like, they actually have quite a bit of an immune reaction or uh, responsibility in the body. Mm -hmm. And they are part of the lymph system. Um, She's like, but most of that immune responsibility is like done by the age of four or five. So it kind of, they become like an obsolete part of the body. I was like, all right, I'm down. Let's go. But anyways, so- the immune system is made up of the tonsils as well. Um, so proteins and blood in the cells are part of the immune system. The purpose of the system is to fight harmful substances called antigens. We know this. Obviously, our immune system sets off you know, attacks against antigens, which are basically substances that cause reactions by our immune, you know, the entire system. Some examples of these bacteria, viruses, cancer cells. Those are all things that our body fight. When a person becomes sick, this immune system becomes compromised. We launch the attack against antigens. Your appendix serves as a reservoir for that good bacteria, Liz was just mentioning, and that, you know, bacteria, living bacterial organisms benefit our body. We know this. This is a huge part of the message that we have on this podcast. Probiotics exist naturally in the gut. Those probiotics, similar to those that the body produces, you know, we sometimes will eat as well, the appendix stores. So otherwise, healthy people do not need to add technically probiotics into their diets, but we always recommend it. It's good for us. We need it. Why not add some more good to the body? But... You can take them. We know this. We've had many podcasts. You can go back and listen to the podcasts on probiotics, on whether you should include them, on how you can increase good bacteria and good balance of the microbiome. But a lot of times we know good bi- probiotics are good for lowering the number of bad bacteria, which can cause infections. It can also replace the body's good bacteria. For example, taking antibiotics, basically is like taking a bomb to our digestive system and gut Mm. and wipes out a lot of that bacteria, good and bad, but then leaves us with an imbalance and leaves us kind of ripe for infections to take over. So we need to restore the body's good versus bad bacteria balance, which is essential. So the fact that the appendix stores this bacteria that helps our immune system, that helps the body, I would dare to say it's not quite so optional to us.
0: I just wouldn't be so quick to let them take it out. Right. Um, You know, I think, again, the, the theme here with both of these is the things that we consume are going to impact how these organs function and how they work. Right. And so when we think about somebody who has been on multiple antibiotics, we're always thinking about how do we rebuild and we restore all of the good because your good Mm -hmm. bacteria in the gut. These are called commensal bacteria for a purpose and a reason. They are your first line of defense. They're part of your immune system. 70, 80% of your immune system resides in your gut microbiome. And so this is why I think so many people take probiotics. Uh We talked about this on our probiotic podcast. You can go back and listen to that. There's a time and a place and you need to ensure the quality is there because the stats are 96% of probiotics sold over the counter don't make it past the stomach acid. So there's different types, there's different strains, there are different um, genuses, And that's what I really want to drive home here. So if you're somebody who says, I've had a bad infection, I've had antibiotics, what do I do? You want soil or spore forming. Probiotics. Yep. We like Microbiome Labs. They also have one that you can take with antibiotics uh, as well. It's just called Restore Flora PD. Sac B is also really great if you're somebody who's getting an antibiotic-associated um, diarrhea, things like that. And then you would do like a bottle and rotate to another type. So, oftentimes we'll do like Proflora R. We will do terraflora, Like we put these things on a rotation. But we're not taking them year round because, again, your body has its natural source of probiotics. So, the best way to keep that uh, is to feed it things like prebiotics that fertilize the probiotics and then some natural probiotic foods. So, things there would be like kefir. Uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, the Beet kvass, sauerkraut, kimchi, miso, some soft cheeses, buttermilk, pickles, you know, fermented foods, fermented veggies, and things like that. So I just think that, um, you know, we wanted to share this with you because the more you know, the better that you can do. And if you have kids, this is really intriguing and insightful. I've never personally had issues with my appendix, but I know a lot of people who have had those things. Um, and this can compromise your immune system. So Make sure that you are taking care of your body. You don't have to have digestive issues to have things that you can improve with your health overall, right? Especially when it comes to the immune system. So just support your good microbiome, community of good bacteria, keeping that balanced and keeping inflammation and bacterial attacks as low as possible. Um, And that you could reference one of our podcasts we talked about, you know, the summertime and parasites and protecting yourself with garlic, whether you do that in the form of Allison or you eat garlic every day, but there's a lot of things that you can do. You just got to be aware of it. So that's what we have for you today. The two organs that are commonly removed that actually do serve purposes. And there's a reason that God, our creator placed them in our body. So, So there's your food for
1: thought.